0: We will enjoy the rest of the service. Hi again. If it's your first time here, my name is Alvin Uh, Love. I serve as uh, lead pastor here at the church, and I just want to welcome everybody. I hope you enjoyed uh, the party we had uh, for uh, worship today. I love just praising God. I think if anybody is worth me looking wild and crazy, it's Jesus. So uh, I I love to to give my all and uh pray that you all enjoyed it. Um we are gonna get into the word but before I do, I do wanna say, I mean, eleven fifteen has really been turning into just uh, a pretty a pretty live service and I love it, but I wanna remind everybody we still have at nine AM as well. So um <laughs> so if if you if you can only because like, you know, there's there's more seats and so if you if you are here and you um, find yourself not being able to find one easily, feel free to come to the nine. And then, uh, Lord willing, pretty soon we'll all be upstairs, where there'll be a lot of more seats for everyone. This is our soft spoke, uh, soft opening, as Marian said. And as soon as the sanctuary is upstairs, upstairs is done. We're going to be up there, worshiping in a bigger space. And this, where we are right now, is actually the children's space. It's where the children will have church but they're lending it over to us. Thank you, Kids Life, for letting us borrow your space. I know Ms. Joelle is ready for us to get upstairs so the kids can have the space, but um, in due time, in due time. Uh, we are we're doing a lot of good things. There's a lot of announcements. Baptism, I'm really excited about water baptism. We're going to actually set something up right here, and People are going to get baptized. So if you would like to get water baptized, please don't delay. Don't push it off to next time. Let's do it. Let's be obedient to Jesus. Let's, let, let's, let's make it happen. Um, child dedication. If you'd like to dedicate your child to the Lord, we would love to do that. So we've got a lot of good things coming up. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned. Come to Next Steps so you can get involved. Uh, we're just at a sweet time. It's a sweet time for our church. I just sense God's grace in such a strong way, and it's really uh, fitting with the message that we're going to talk about today. So let's get into the scriptures. Before we do, we like to do this declaration before we read the word of God to remind ourselves what's about to happen. So repeat these words after me. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. The word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so the theme for 2022 is called Withstanding the Wind. That is the theme for the year. We kind of like to go into every year with some kind of direction. And withstanding the wind is what we believe that the Lord is uh, doing with us in this, gener- in this congregation. It's inspired by a passage in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. And this is John the Baptist who's talking about the coming Messiah, Jesus. And this is how John describes Jesus. He says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So the winnowing fan that John is describing Jesus as holding is a tool that's used when you're harvesting wheat. When you're harvesting wheat and bringing in the wheat um, for the season, there's a separation process that's induced by wind, and there's a slight wind that they use to separate the wheat, the part that we eat, from the chaff, the part that we don't. And the chaff is really light and it's easily blown away. The slightest wind just blows the chaff away. But the wheat has this built-in weight to it that gives it the ability to withstand the wind. The wheat feels the wind. It might be challenged by the wind, but it's not blown away by the wind. And that's a metaphor for us as the body of Christ. We are the harvest. We are the harvest that Jesus is gathering for eternity to be with him in in heaven. And it's important for us to understand that this process includes strong winds that can really challenge us. But as the harvest of Jesus, as the body of Christ, as the people who are going to actually make it all the way, it's important that we develop the, the quality to withstand the winds of our time that can challenge us. And there's a lot of windy stuff happening in our in our day. And it's, it can be challenging to the believers. So if you're challenged, that means you're human. It means that you can still be wheat. It just means that you're not blown away. It's one thing to be challenged by it. It's another thing to let it uproot you from your faith. Um, and that's what we can't let happen. We can't. lash for Life is trying to... Do our best to prevent that from happening, so there can be a full harvest on that final day when Jesus returns for us. Um, I'm covering different winds throughout the year. Last last month, we called uh, it was the winds of abandonment, and all those sessions and uh, sermons are on YouTube and on our podcast. So feel free to get caught up on what we talked about that month. But we're in a new month, first Sunday of February. And we are talking to this month on the winds of self-dependence, the winds of self-dependence. There is a trend, there is a temptation that runs all through humanity that tempts us to start relying and finding our sufficiency in ourselves instead of God's spirit. The definition of self-dependence in Webster is dependence on one's own resources or efforts. And all of us have the ability to give effort. All of us have resources. So I believe that all of us are candidates for this, this fall of self-dependence. Um, all of us have aspects of our lives that make us rightful candidates and vulnerable to this tendency to rely on ourselves. Um, for me, you know, one, I'm I'm, I'm a man. And oftentimes, when it comes to men, because of the responsibilities and the expectations on our lives, it can become very tempting and easy to slip into depending on your own strength, on your own smarts, on your own physical ability, on your own intellect. Uh, so I know that I struggle with that as 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 an American. I believe I'm vulnerable to you know self dependence. So much of what we're based on is on independence and obviously praise God for that in certain aspects, but in certain areas we don't want to be independent. when it comes to God, the last thing we want to be is independent. We want to be so reliant on him for everything. So we have to watch out for that. Um, I'm relatively young. And when you're young, uh, it can be a temptation to rely on your youth. I've got all the time in the world. You know, we, we find ourselves feeling invincible when we're, when we're young and, and, and healthy also. When we're healthy, we kind of just take for granted that God gives us our breath. We don't think of life as that because it's like I'm young, I'm healthy. No, God gives us every breath that we breathe. Um, I have a slight amount of intelligence, so that's something too that can can be difficult. You know, if you if you believe you're a bit too smart for God's word, it can kind of it can kind of get you into some trouble. And then of course talent. We have gifts. Many of us are used to our talents getting us really far. Um, whether it's charisma, whether it's a certain skill. Um, So though we're blessed with these things, we are all vulnerable if we're not careful of depending on those things and making these things the source of our lives and the source of our strength instead of God. God urges us to avoid this, and he uses some pretty strong language. um, In Jeremiah 17, verse 5, Thus says the Lord... Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. To make your flesh your strength is considered a curse, which means a a bad ending. If something is cursed, it's destined to a bad ending. It's not going to end well when there's a curse involved. And when we make our flesh, our strength, and depart from God. When we uh, renounce God as the source of our strength and become our own strength, the Bible says that it doesn't end well for that person. Um, Why? Because you can only serve one master. You can't serve two. Either you're the God of your life or God is the God of your life. The Bible makes it very clear. As much as we would like for it to be a collaboration (laughs) when it comes to God, it really is one or the other. Either the Lord is the source of our strength or our flesh is. And the Bible urges us, it warns us that if we make our flesh our strength, that means God will no longer be that source and it will not end well. Um, This goes all the way back to the very beginning. And I want to talk about the origin of this struggle. If you want to find the origin of pretty much all sin, you'll find some elements in it way back with Adam and Eve. It's amazing how many things that we deal with in 2022 started way way back with these, with these ancient figures. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to read it quickly. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, "Has God indeed said, 'You shall not eat of every tree of the garden'?" And the woman said to the serpent, "We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, God has said, sorry, you shall not eat, um, eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die.'" Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband with her and he ate god was adam and eve their source of life he sustained them he actually breathed his breath into their lungs and it was through them that they lived and he had he had boundaries he had boundaries because certain decisions would cause them to continue to live and certain decisions would cause them to die and god being the gracious kind father that he is, he lets us know what the consequences of decisions are so that we can act accordingly, right? And even though God told them what would kill them, that was the birth of the reasoning that I don't have to do what God tells me to do to live. I don't have to do what God tells me to do to even excel in life. That was the birth of the reason that we still wrestle with today, the argument and the idea that we don't have to subscribe to God's direction in order to live in life or even to succeed in life. And I hate to say it, but it worked. That reasoning, they fell for it because it, it, it appealed to something that we call our ego, and the ego is the part of us that that wants to be to be great independently from God. Because the issue is not that we want to be great. God wants us to be great. God called Abraham. He said, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna bless you. So what's so sad about this is the things that we want in our lives for the most part, it's what God wants for us the reason why it's so deceptive is because the enemy in this case the serpent that voice still tells us to still offers us what god is trying to offer us for our life but by a way that's separate than the process that god told us to get there so god goes i want you guys to you know be great i want you guys to rule and reign in the world i want you guys to represent me i want you guys to to be blessed and this is how you do it And then the serpent goes, you can achieve the same things even more a different way. That's not necessary to go through that. It's not necessary to say that prayer. It's not necessary to believe in that Jesus. It's not necessary to go to that thing or to believe that thing or to obey that thing. He's always trying to offer us the same thing God is offering us without going about it the way God said to go about it. So we have to watch out for that. And it's, it, he uses flattery. He uses flattery to, to, to stroke that ego, to build that ego. He starts saying, you know, you could be doing a lot more outside of this God thing, outside of this, this Jesus thing. He tries to convince us that the same God who is calling us to these amazing destinies is somehow holding us back. And if we just stepped out on our own because we're so great, because we're so talented, because we're so young, because we're so smart, because we're so wise, because we're so accomplished, he will start caking on the things that we want to hear. Because let's be honest, all of us like to hear nice things about ourselves. But we have to watch out that the person behind that voice isn't trying to lure you away from God's commands for your life. Encouragement is great. Speaking life, giving compliments is great, but you have to be discerning as people of the spirit because if the other side of that flattery is a hook to cause you to depart from God's commands for your life, this can become a trap. And the enemy often uses us. He strokes that part of us that makes us think that we can make it just fine or even better without God. Jeremiah 17, I read verse 5. I'm going to read 5 and 6 this time. We're going to continue to unfold this this word from from the word of God. It says, thus says the Lord, curse is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. This is the way that Jeremiah describes a person who trusts in themselves and makes their own human wisdom and strength their support for their lives. He describes a self-dependent life as draining, blinding, or deceiving, Depressing and lonely. This is how the word describes a life that is governed by self-dependence. Talks about being a shrub in the desert, not getting water, not, not being parched, not having enough. There's, this, there's an insatiable quality to people who depend on their own flesh. It doesn't matter how much they achieve, it's never enough. It doesn't matter how much they drink, it's never enough. It's like having like a tapeworm or something. Like there's this constant need and longing no matter how much. That's the life of someone that makes their strength their own flesh. It's blinding, and it's blinding in the worst way. It doesn't say you can't see anything. The Bible says you can't see good things. So it's not total blindness. When your flesh is your strength, you're not totally blind. You're only blind to the good things that are happening in your life, which means you only see the bad, which is a very depressing life. <laughs> this is how God describes the life of someone who depends on themselves. But let's see what happens for the alternative if we choose to make God our strength. Jeremiah 17 Verse 7 through 8 says, blessed, which is opposite of cursed. So there's a cursed life and then there's a blessed life. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he, we talked about what this guy will be, a shrub in the desert. This guy who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord, he will be like a tree planted by the waters so you've got parched desert, and then you've got a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, more water, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So a person who trusts in the Lord, has a very different trajectory, very different destiny because they will be like a tree planted by the rivers, has roots that go to the rivers. So the reason why they're not afraid when drought comes is because their only source of water isn't from rain. They have a root system that's connected to the water. So the cool thing about people who trust in the Lord, even if they aren't getting rain the way everybody else gets provision, they're okay because they have another source somewhere else. So even if it doesn't rain for a whole year, this tree's not freaking out, not because he's happy there's no rain, but because he's okay because his root system and his water comes from a different source, a deeper source, and that is the life of someone who trusts in the Lord. People who trust in themselves don't have that luxury because when it doesn't rain, they're like, oh my God, my life is over. Meanwhile, the person who trusts in the Lord says, I'm okay. I'm okay because my roots are connected somewhere else. And the beautiful thing about this is they will not cease from yielding fruit. So we've got uh, the God-dependent, the self-dependent life, which was draining, blinding, depressing, and lonely. And then we see the God-dependent life, the life that depends on God. That person is supported. That person is refreshed. The Bible says he who refreshes will be refreshed. The Lord promises those who live for him constant refreshment, confident. You're not easily intimidated when you know your hope is in the Lord. Because of God before you, who can be against you, right? Fearless. The things that makes the world scared won't make you scared. Not because a good thing is happening, but you have a protector. You have someone, the Bible says he who dwells, the sh- under the shadow of the Almighty, like there's a protection that we have when we know that God is our protection. We don't react to the world's events the same way that people who don't have that confidence react. And then c- consistently fruitful, P- producing fruit in every season. Even when it's a season that no one should be producing fruit, even when it's a total drought, they are be like, man, how is that person's leaves still bright green? We haven't had rain in two years. Why and it's not just any fruit it's like juicy fruit like what is that that doesn't make any sense that's a person whose root source is different they're not depending on the rain that comes from the sky they're they've got they've got water coming from somewhere else these are the benefits living a god dependent life can be challenging to step into because especially in our culture, you know, it's a go-getter drive. And sometimes, because of even some negative examples of it, we can associate with trusting in God as being weak, as being stupid, being lazy, um, being, um, I don't know, lame. And that's not the the truth. That's not the truth. Living a God-dependent life, means depending on what he tells you to do so my point is this is not a commercial for or advertisement to a life where you're just sitting at home all day saying I'm trusting God I am not advocating uh, passivity and laziness and inactivity when we trust in the Lord that means trusting in his commandments and the Lord instructs us to do a lot of things. So a person who's trusting in God is not idle because trusting God means trusting in his instructions. And his instructions are lengthy. <laughs> there are a lot of things that the Lord, that's why I can really never understand a bored Christian. I, I, I personally struggle because there's such an extensive list of things he's telling us to do. <laughs> On a daily basis. And when I find someone who's bored, I'm like, surely you haven't completed the whole list. Surely you haven't completed the whole list. It baffles. I just personally can't connect. I'm sorry. I just can't connect with the Christian who is bored. Um, Because the Bible that I read, I could work every day till I'm 88 and still have things to do. Being God-dependent does not negate human action. Let me tell you, because like, yeah, human efforts, human action. Being God-dependent does not negate human action. However, it negates human action fueled by human wisdom and strength. I'm not talking about people shouldn't be putting in effort, but I'm saying we shouldn't be putting in effort By our own abilities, we need to learn to depend on something else. And that thing is grace. Grace is the gift of God that he has given to human beings to fuel and enable the things that we do. Grace is a thing that is not from ourselves. This is not something that we were given biologically. This is not the bones and flesh and blood and uh, all the things that we have biologically as human beings. It's a, it's a separate gift that comes from God that gives us the ability to live our lives, the ability to raise our families, the ability to love our spouses, the ability to work in our professions, the ability to build God's kingdom, the ability to do ministry, the ability to love All the things that God wants us to do, we are supposed to do from this supply called grace. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is what has allowed us to be saved through our faith. And this is not your own doing. So the word is also trying to urge the same theme. Please do not think that your salvation is a product of your intellect and of your strength and of your good looks and of your talent and whatever other assets you have. Please do not think that you were saved by anything of you. This was a separate thing called grace that came and gave you this gift, and he did it. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. So he says it's not your own doing, and in case you didn't get that, let me reiterate, it's not a result of your works. And the reason, which is why I love God, because he knows his people, so that no one may boast. God knows us. And he knows that if this was any product of us, it would be a source of pride. It would be a source of, I did this. I put in the work, and I did it. And God goes, no, I've got to build salvation to where it has nothing to do with human effort. I've got to build salvation because if I gave them even a little bit of credit, they they would become monsters. He knows us. (laughs) If I just give them a little bit of credit, they will run with that little bit. So I'm going to build salvation where it has nothing to do with any of their abilities. I'm going to make this where it's 100% because of my grace that I've gifted them with. Grace does two things. It empowers us with supernatural ability and it frees us from self-dependence. And I say frees us from self-dependence because life is already a challenge but life is unnecessarily hard when we depend on our own limited abilities. Some of us need to be set free from self-dependence. And it's kind of ironic because what got you into self-dependence was the promise of freedom. The enemy always wants rebellion to feel like freedom. Always. So he goes, if you really want to be free, stop listening to this God and listen to your own heart. If you really want to be free, stop depending on this God and depend on your own abilities. But it's a trap. The very thing that we thought was setting us free, we are now asking freedom from. (laughs) Self-dependence is a taxing and draining life. And I want to end with this passage in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus is speaking to Israel, a very worn down people. And he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, contrary to popular belief with my age group, uh, this is not an invitation for a nap. Jesus said, stop laboring so I'm quitting my job so I can rest. No, no. This is not about labor. This is about laboring out of your own strength. Guys, let's just use a little common sense. Why would the same Jesus who says we don't have enough laborers for some reason tell you to stop laboring? It's not that we're laboring. It's that we're laboring. The people of Israel, let me give you context. They were trying to live for God Based off following rules from their own strength, and they were failing miserably. They were trying to live godly lives out of their own intellect, out of their own strength, their physical strength, their own wisdom, and they were failing miserably. They were overexerted or over uh, overexerted and 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 underperforming. It's bad enough to be exhausted, but to be exhausted and not delivering is just tragic. And that's what self-dependence is. You're not even achieving what you could, and you're tired. It's called fruitless labor. The Bible calls it dead works. You're putting in work, but it's getting you nowhere because it's fueled by yourself. And the Lord goes, if you guys would just receive my grace, not only will you have more energy, but you will actually produce double than what you're producing in your own strength. The Lord will actually enable you to excel and do even more for him without even getting half as tired. The Bible says that those who wait on the Lord, their strength will be renewed. They say they will not get weary. They will not faint. They will constantly be renewed. They say they will constantly be refreshed. So you see this life of grace, which is doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that's in us. We see these amazing callings, and there's this promise that you will not grow weary. I will refresh you. That is the life of grace. You can, try to, you, can try to, you can try to achieve the same things without grace. And not only will you not make a fraction of what you could do, but you'll be so depleted and so discouraged. I personally don't subscribe, and this is probably very controversial, especially in my age group. I don't subscribe to burnout. I know that's become, you would think it's in the Bible Christians use it more than they use scripture. I hear burnout more than I hear scripture, literally. Now here's the deal about burnout. I believe in burnout if you're doing it in your own strength. The Bible makes it very clear that if you do it in your own strength, you will be like a shrub in the desert. That is burnout. But I also believe the Bible says my grace is sufficient. The Bible says you can do all things. The Bible says that God's grace is without limits. It abounds, which means there's tons of it. The Bible says that if you, if you wait on the Lord, if we do it his way, and that's, the be- that's pretty much the main thing I want to say. The Lord is saying this is the life that you can have and this is how you do it. And self-dependence says, I can reach that same destination without doing it his way. And as much as it seems like it's the same, because I'm going for the same thing. I'm shooting for the same thing the Bible tells me to do. I want to be a good person. I want to build God's kingdom. But if you don't do it the way that he instructs you to do it, it will not have the grace. And you'll have to pull from your own supply, which is very limited compared to God's abundant grace. Grace enables you to do what you cannot do on your own. Grace gives you power. It gives you the ability to do things that you, could, you would have never been able to do. So, how do we live by grace? Um, we need faith. Because, yeah, scripture says we have to have faith to live by grace. It's through faith. And the Bible says that faith comes by the Word of God. So, I have a challenge for all of you all for the month of February. I would like for us, some of us might already be doing this, and if so, awesome. I believe we need to increase our time in the Word of God. So, I am inviting us to what I'm calling two a days. Two a days, the word tells us to meditate on God's word day and night. I happen to believe that that's not just a suggestion. I believe that that day and night meditation on God's word is what it takes to have uh, the grace to accomplish all that we have on our plates. All of us, we've got a lot of full plates in this room, and the Lord says that you can conquer that plate with my grace, but you gotta you gotta receive. And that happens by reading the word. Now, some of you guys are going, Alvin, I don't even read the word every week. And you're asking me to do it twice a day. Like, that seems like a big leap. But I believe that God's grace will give you the ability to do it. Now, it's not magic. If you already know that you're not disciplined in this area, you might have to go out your way and uh, maybe call a friend Maybe put it in your phone, put reminders in your phone. Um, More so than anything, we have to have faith that this is necessary. And the key word is necessary. I've learned that something that we believe is good for us doesn't make the list. Like our days are so busy that optional things that are nice end up getting drowned out by what we believe is necessary. Our lives are so busy that anything that is not necessary isn't like on thin ice. We can't get to things barely that we think is necessary, let alone things that will be nice. And as long as reading the Bible is just a nice thing that might make your life better, I can guarantee you it will not happen. You have to make a decision that time in God's word is a necessity, not even for your just success, but for your life. The Bible, Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone. I know it feels like all we need is that bagel, but I promise you. I know, I know it feels like all we need is that cup of coffee. I know Christians who are more dependent on coffee than scripture. I've heard, people, I've heard people literally say, until I have my cup of coffee, I can't do anything. We do what we believe is necessary. If we receive it as necessary, we get it done. There are some of you guys currently that have a belief system that I am worthless without my first cup of coffee. Lord knows what if, what just what if we held time and scripture with the same weight and dependence that we do coffee or eggs. The Bible says, I know it seems like you need these things to live, but actually man can't live without my word. And as the, as the church, if we're not the first people to subscribe to this truth, how in the world is anybody else going to come around to the necessity of the Bible? If the church doesn't even believe in the necessity of God's word, what chance does the word world have? So we have to make a decision that this is not a nice thing. This is not a Nashville life thing. This is not a thing that will enhance my life. You have to see it as a necessity. You have to see it just as necessary as the air you breathe. And that's why I think reading it twice a day is going to help build that. Because your flesh is going to say, are you kidding me? Uh, You have lived two weeks without reading the Bible, and you did just fine. You served at church you you played keys you sorry nothing against the keys player <laughs> they read their bible but my point is you the the enemy can deceive you because you're able to have you heard the term dead man walking yeah. just because you're functioning doesn't mean you're alive Amen. and 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 Coffee and bagels can allow you to biologically function, but the Bible says to not be deceived by the flesh because without his grace, without his spirit, you can't live. And we receive his spirit and his grace through time and God's word. I'm going to end with this scripture, Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says all scripture, not all good vibes, not all positive thoughts. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, which means beneficial. It's a good thing for doctrine, the way you believe. Our lives are a reflection of our belief system, just so you know. If you want to know what you believe, look at your life. You live what you believe, for better or worse. Your life is a reflection of your doctrine. And time and scripture will will be profitable for your belief system. It'll help it. It'll change it for the better. For reproof and correction. How are we going to improve if we don't address the areas that are putting us in a ditch every day? The Lord addresses those areas that need to be realigned. Almost like going to a chiropractor and it's out of alignment. They put it back in. That's what the Bible does for your belief system. Instruction and righteousness. Direction. That the man of God, people of God, church, may be what? Complete. That coffee doesn't make you complete. Time and scripture makes you complete. And then not just a little bit equipped, but thoroughly equipped. For some good works, every good work. So when I'm saying spend two times a day, that's actually probably a, a, a low ball. Like it's a... Guys, this is this is life. Don't be condemned. Don't feel bad. Just 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 change. Just start start today. It's still daytime. You can start today. Please, guys, don't let the enemy let your pride be, well, I'm just a failure and I'm just I'm not doing this and you're saying I'm a bad Christian. And no, guys, that's how that's a prideful response. You're missing on the fact that God is actually throwing you a bone. He's helping you. He's extending his hand out and saying this is how you can start living. Notice I didn't say start living better. Some of us are not even living because life comes through the word of God. So I'm inviting all of us to commit. And again, if you, you have to decide that it's a necessity. Otherwise, it'll get drowned out by all the other things that you believe are necessary. I invite you guys to it. And buddy up. Make it fun. Spouses, you know, you do it together. Friends, do it together. It doesn't have to be a certain – it doesn't be 5 in the morning. It just says day and night. So it can, it can be 2 p.m. That's fine. It's day. And then do it at night. Do it when it's dark. Um – I believe good things are gonna happen from this. I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine increasing time and in all this and your life not noticing a difference. And do it in faith. This will build your faith, it'll shape your doctrine, it'll correct the areas that need to be addressed, it'll give you instructions, it will complete you, it will thoroughly equip you for everything that you've got going on in your life, not just the spiritual stuff. It'll actually give you counsel with your professional life, with your love life. Like, I'm telling you, you will be equipped for every work, not just the religious works, every good work. So I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for grace I thank you for the gift of grace, Lord. I thank you that we don't have to depend on ourselves anymore. We can cease from the labor that we've been doing in our own effort and in our own wisdom, and we can turn and draw from your well, God. We can draw from your spirit, which is full of life, full of power. It never runs out. It never dries. Your grace is infinitely available. And just when we think we've used all of it, we see a whole other supply of it. Your grace is abundant. And Lord, your word says where there's sin, grace abounds all the more. So even in the areas of our sin, we've got so much grace to conquer it, to repent of it, to turn away from it. There's some people who have had years of struggles, years of addictions. And as much as they try with their own effort and their own good intentions, they're still bound. But Lord, I thank you that today is a new day because we have been reminded that there is a grace available that if we can just draw from it on a daily basis, we will see our lives able to to do things that we couldn't do before and to stop things that we couldn't stop before. God, I know this is real. I know this is true. So I pray, Lord, that every person would receive it for their own personal lives. And they would not just hear it, but they would obey it. And I thank you that not only will their lives change, but the lives that they know will change. There are relatives and friends and coworkers of people in this room that are going to benefit from them reading their word and encountering your grace. I want to ask everyone to just briefly close their eyes because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But I want to see a show of hands of people who are just saying, I'm tired of doing things in my own strength. I'm tired of trying to live life out of my own supply of wisdom and power, and I'm ready to turn to the grace of God. If you can just raise your hand, just as a between you and the Lord. that's what you're saying I'm, I'm tired of it and I'm ready to get the grace of God. I'm living off grace from this point forward. From this point forward, I'm living by grace. Thank you, Lord. Okay, put your hand down. Thank you for those people, Lord. Thank you for those people ready to, to change the way they live and the source that they pull from. God, you're so good. I'm so excited to dive more into grace this month because I know it's needed for all that we have in store for us. I'm going to ask us all to stand and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We have to turn to Jesus in order to turn away from our sin and our own strength. I'm inviting people to turn their back on the way that they were living By their own intellect, by their own talent, by their own finances, by their own whatever status, and turn to Jesus, who will give us a brand new way of living. And if you're ready to make that choice, repeat these words after me Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sin and make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen, and let's all celebrate grace. Let's celebrate his infinite grace, his amazing grace, his power, his ability, his inspiration. Are y'all ready for your two-a-days? Go for it. Put it in your phone. If you know that you, if you know you need to, just plan for it. I believe it's going to change, change your life, and it's going to change this church. And it's going to change Nashville, Tennessee. It's going to change this nation and the whole world. If you said yes to Jesus, we've got two people here to pray for you. They're going to get in position. They're here to pray for you. We would love to know that you said yes to Jesus if it was your first time or maybe you were backslidden and you want to be back with Jesus. We are here to pray for you, to serve you. You can also text us if, if it's too many people and you want to text us. Text BELONG to 77411. BELONG, B-E-L-O-N-G, to 77411. We've got resources for you. We can also take your prayer request online. So you can go to our website and uh, give your prayer request. We have a team that prays for all of the requests. Um, And lastly, if you would like to give, thank you in advance. We've got a team in the back that can collect your offering. Or you can uh, text text Nashville Life to the same number, 77411. You can give online. We've got next steps following right after service. I'm going straight from the stage to next steps in the back. If you want to hear more about the church, we would love to talk to you. We won't keep you long. Um, thanks, uh, Matt and Megan, for praying. And uh, let's let's dismiss. Father, we thank you for this time. Bless everyone. I pray, Lord, that you were honored today and that the people's hearts were, were, were met by you and your grace, God. I thank you for all that's going to come from our 2 days And I thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.